All right, our scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of Matthew. We'll be in chapter 5, right here in the thick of the Sermon on the Mount. Um, If you have your bulletins in front of you, you can follow along, but if you have a Bible, we'll be going from verses 21 through 26, and then we will jump over to verse 38. So Jesus is speaking, and he says, You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, You shall not murder. And whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or sister and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're on the way to court with him or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you'll be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. I'm jumping to verse 38. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile. Give to everyone who begs from you and do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your father in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good And he sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Years ago, I was, I was driving down the street, and there was a business on the side of the road that had one of those signs where you could change it by adding the different letters there. And apparently, it was time for uh, one of the employees to change the sign because as I was driving down the road, I, I kind of chuckled as I read the sign. It said, my boss told me to sign, change the sign, so I did. Right? Didn't say anything other than that, it was just that. And and it got me thinking about the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law, right? He changed the sign, but he didn't do a very good job of putting on there what he was supposed to put on there. You know, just getting by is, is something that we sometimes have to do when there's a lot of stress on us. And yet at the same time, we all know deep down that just getting by is not enough. All of us know that we need to put forth our best effort. We need to do the best job we can when it's important, when it is vital. We need to show up when it matters, right? Amen? Okay, so this year, think about your favorite college football team because 
it's that time, right? We just saw some games kick off yesterday and of course really starts next weekend. How many wins are good enough for your team this year? How many, what's the bare minimum of wins? Five? Six? Seven? Eight? How many people are saying undefeated? You know, because <laughs> that's what we always do, right? You know, the bar is set high for some of these teams, isn't it? Just getting by will not allow you to survive very long in the SEC. I remember the days when you could stay in the SEC a lot longer with a little bit of wins. In fact, I'm, I'm a South Carolina graduate. My team, South Carolina, had, I think, two or three winning seasons in the 1990s. And we kept our coaches for five years or so. It didn't matter. We got Lou Holtz when I was a sophomore or junior in college. He didn't win a single game his first year. We still kept him. Uh, and of course, we had eight wins the next year. And that was it. Um, <laughs> it kind of went back down after that. But you know, we expect a lot. There is no scraping by in the SEC, is there? Because there's a lot of expectations. There is a sense that if you're just getting by, that's not good enough. And I think that kind of expectation can be good and bad, isn't it? When we put so much pressure on people, they can crumble and fall apart. And yet, if we don't put enough pressure on ourselves, when it matters, when we need to show up, we are not gonna put our best effort into it. Now, why am I talking about this? In the Sermon on the Mount, which we're talking about this fall, Jesus has laid down the gauntlet, so to speak. He has challenged us to be, as we talked about last Sunday, salt and light. We're in our third Sunday in the Sermon on the Mount series. And Jesus told the people who were listening to him, some of his disciples, as well as all the people listening there by the Sea of Galilee, listening to his sermon, he says, you need to be the salt of the earth and you need to be the light of the world. Uh, I summarized it with last Sunday, uh, a, a story from John Maxwell, a leadership guru who said that our job as salt and light in the name of Jesus is to paint a beautiful picture of God. So what Jesus is telling us is we need to put our best effort our best effort, we need to show up where it matters in our faith, in our discipleship, and that is being salt and being light. That is showing up where it matters, and that's living an example of what God is like for the world. Because the world needs it. I mean, sometimes, do you ever hear sort of the subcontext, what people are really saying? They're saying, Everything is falling apart right now. Nothing is going well. We need a leader. We need this. We need that, right? All these things are going around. And what people are saying is, I want something better. I want something better than what we're experiencing. I want something better. And Jesus offers that way. And he needs us to help people see that way. And that's why we have to embody. That's why we have to practice these things. But Jesus now, as we go through the Sermon on the Mount, starts to show that being salt and light is kind of more difficult than we first thought. Because he doesn't say, just be nice to people and everything will be fine. He starts saying that we need to go deeper. We need to go deeper into our own heart to diagnose the things that prevent us from being salt and light, from painting that beautiful picture of who God is. And so as he goes through this, Jesus says, we need to talk about murder 
and killing people because it's not just about not doing it. There's something deeper that we have to deal with. Or eye for an eye, making everything just and fair. You know, I'm gonna get you because you got me. Jesus says there's something deeper than that we've got to worry about. And then of course about loving neighbors and of course hating our enemies. There's something wrong with that, Jesus says. Just getting by, just following those basic three areas is not enough. He wants us to go deeper because he wants us to be transformed from the inside out. He says, you've heard it said, and then he says these things, and then he says, but I say. And I think it's really important that we have to understand Jesus is not saying those old rules, those old laws are now gone, and these are the new rules. Because if you were to read the area we just skipped over in between salt and light and what we read today in Matthew chapter 5, around verse 17, Jesus says something very important. He says, do not think that I came to abolish the law. I didn't come to get rid of it, to make it less important, uh, to say that it's not really vital anymore. I didn't do that, but I came to fulfill the law, meaning that I came to help make it the way it was supposed to be, to fix it, to deepen it, to help it challenge us instead of just doing the basic things that we're supposed to do, the bare minimum. Jesus wants us to go deeper. And so that's why he asked these questions. So let's start first with the command, do not murder, do not kill. You may remember this comes from the 10 commandments. It's the fifth commandment of the 10 commandments. These 10 commandments were written on two pieces of stone. Maybe some of you have watched that comedy movie, uh, History of the World Part One, where Moses comes down the mountain. He goes, I've got these 15 commandments and he drops one, these 10 commandments. That's not the way it happened, okay? All right, it was 10 commandments. The fifth one is do not kill. And that seems pretty basic, doesn't it? Like we all know we should not do this. We all know this is not the right way to treat our neighbors. But Jesus says, in a sense, so you haven't killed anyone. That's the bare minimum. That's the bare minimum. That's just getting by. There's something more important. And why does he say that? He says, because in a sense, not murdering is just the external of what has happened on the inside. And the inside is the anger, the jealousy, the hatred that starts brewing up inside of us. And if it is not held, if it is not corrected, if it is not extinguished, what does it become? It becomes so white hot within us that we end up taking it out on someone else. And that most of the time comes out as something mean that we say to someone or sometimes we physically hurt them. And if it is so white hot, sometimes it even comes out as murder. And so what Jesus is saying is just getting by is not actually doing it. But if you want to actually live out a higher calling, if you want to be salt and light, you got to deal with that anger. You cannot let it fester. Have you ever uh, been in a house where there's a, a little fire before. It happened to me once. We, our, our dryer caught on fire one night. And, uh, and so it started to burn. And, and it, just imagine if, you said, if I said, you know, it's just a little fire. It'll burn out. It'll be okay. What would happen? 
You know, the smoke alarm's going off, but you know, it'll, it'll die down. It'll be okay. No, you know what we did? We got our kids out first. We got them out and our son was, was very young and he was so dead. He just kind of like, we carried him out. I don't think he woke up until the fire truck came and we were able to keep it from burning down the rest of the house. But if you let a fire like that just go, it's going to spread, isn't it? It's going to spread. If it is not contained in some way, it's going to continue to spread. And Jesus says, anger and hatred is like that. In our hearts, if it is not held there, if it is not put out and extinguished there, it's going to lead to us doing things that are going to make us less salt and less light. We are not going to paint a beautiful picture of God if we have anger in our hearts. It's not going to happen. The picture is going to be marred and disfigured. It's not going to be beautiful. We got to deal with that anger before it spreads. And I know that we see this in the world. We see this where we have anger and we just want to get it out. We got to get it out. We type it. We text it. We tweet it or whatever we do. We get it out in the world just because we got to get it out. But that doesn't help, does it? Just getting it out doesn't dis extinguish the hatred or the anger we actually have to do something productive with it. So Jesus says, it's not just about getting it out and getting over it. He says, you need to go and make amends with people. You've actually got to forgive. You've got to be graceful to people because the antidote to anger is not just getting it out. It's actually doing something positive in exchange. That's the way we're transformed. That's the way we become salt. And light. Then he says, we need to not just have an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You know, this is sort of that tit for tat thing. If you take something from me, I get to take the same thing from you and then it's fair, right? And, and in the day and time where this was written in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, this was a way for justice. They didn't have a lot of judges and lawyers and things like that. It was all just sort of held together by these social constructs, uh, social constructs of equity, a fairness, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, fair. Now, I don't know if you know this, but in the Old Testament, all the commandments that the Jews followed come from the first five books of the Old Testament. We call it the Torah or the law. Jesus says, I didn't come to abolish the law of the prophets, but to fulfill it. When he says law and prophets, what he means is, two-thirds of the Old Testament. There are three major pieces of the Old Testament. The law, which is the first five books, the prophets, Jeremiah, Isaiah, etc. And then there's the writings, which contain things like the history, first Kings, second Kings, Psalms, Proverbs, etc. So Jesus is saying, I didn't come to abolish the Old Testament, but to fulfill it. Now the Torah is where those commandments come from. Do you know how many commandments there are? 613 commandments that in the time of Jesus you would have to follow. 613, 248 of those are positive commandments. You shall love the Lord your God. You shall take the Sabbath and make it holy, right? And 365 are negative commandments. Don't do this, right? Don't murder, don't kill, don't lust, don't envy, etc. This eye for an eye is a way to kind of keep equity and keep things fair when people break those commandments. But again, Jesus wants us to go deeper than just trying to keep things fair. 
So what do we do? He says, first of all, turn the other cheek. Maybe you've heard some of these examples before. When, when you are someone who is of a higher class of someone else and you strike them because you have the right to do it. You could go around and hit anyone you wanted to if you were from a certain class. A few people in the room probably want to practice this. It, don't. Um, you know, you're not going to paint a beautiful picture of God doing this. So if you hit someone with the back of your hand, that meant that that person was beneath you. You weren't hitting them with the palm, which would be to, to hit an equal, you were dismissing them. So when Jesus says, turn the other cheek, it's not about getting hit twice, even though you will. He's saying, now you've got to treat me as an equal because the only way to hit me now with the same hand is to use your palm. Jesus is saying, we've got to, instead of make things fair, we've got to stand up for what's right and to show that we are not going to be treated some way, but we don't do it with retaliation. We do it by standing up for who we are in the eyes of God. Another strange one Jesus says is, if somebody asks for your tunic, give them your cloak also. This is where it gets a little PG-13 in church. Um, do you know how many pieces of clothing most people at the time of Jesus wore? Two. So if you give up your tunic and your cloak, what are you? We don't say that word in church. You're not, you are unclothed, okay? I don't think Jesus is saying that's literally what we're supposed to do. But again, what is that showing? That you're being treated unfairly because no one in their right mind would make somebody do that. Then you have this idea of going the second mile, going an additional mile. A Roman soldier at this time could legally go up to anyone and say, carry my bag for one mile. And they, could, they had to do it. And by doing it again, by going the second mile, is showing I'm not going to retaliate. I am going to take ownership of who I am. And so, in a sense, Jesus is saying, don't retaliate. Do something good. Do something positive. Do something that stands up for you being a beloved child of God and showing that you won't be pushed around. But don't do it by being retaliative. Don't do it by retaliation. Do it by going a second mile. And then Pastor Michael mentioned the love of enemies. Jesus says that we should, uh, you know, you've heard it said, love your neighbor, but hate your enemy. And he says, well, guess what? Even the tax collectors, the most terrible people of our time, they do that. The Gentiles do that. Anybody can be nice to people who are nice to them. I mean, how many of you would be mean to the person who last year gave you two tickets to the master's? You know, you're, you're going to really, really be nice to them just in case they get two more next time, right? You're not going to try to risk that relationship. If you are nice to people that are nice to you, that's, I don't, that's just the bare minimum, isn't it? But if you can love your enemies, that's something that Jesus did. I don't think if you realize this whole thing about turn the other cheek, about giving up your clothes, about going the second mile, about loving your enemies. Do you know who does this in the New Testament? Jesus. When he goes to the cross, he allows them to take his clothes. When he goes to the cross, they beat him and hit him and he doesn't fight back. When he goes to the cross, they hurl insults at him and he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus is painting the perfect image of God in his life, what he says and what he does, isn't he? 
And what he's challenging us to do is the best of our abilities is to learn not to just scrape by on the bare minimum, but to actually do what we can, to show up where it matters and to allow our lives to show that God is real and that God loves people and that God wants more out of all of us. And if we just scrape by in our discipleship, it's not gonna, it's not gonna do it. It's not gonna get us there. We've gotta deal with what's on the inside just as much as what's on the outside. Most people can put on the Christian show, the exterior of what it looks like to be a Christian. But if we're not working on the inside, the charade will not be able to be kept up in the long run. We're gonna have to do the hard work of following Jesus and doing some of the things that he tells us to do because it can transform who we are and how we live. Think about if you were the head coach of your own discipleship, if you were the head coach of your own spiritual life and you were responsible for it, what would your athletic director do to you? You know, are you in that five win? Are you in that eight win? Are you in that undefeated? Where are you? Now, don't fire yourself, okay? Don't, don't take the, this example too far. Where would you be? And do you see why it matters? Because if we're not taking the steps, if we're not following Jesus and doing these things, the picture we paint of God is not gonna be as beautiful and complete and honest and true. So Jesus says to us, if you want to be salt and light, I've got some areas that you're going to have to work on. Each and every human being alive has to work with this. You got to deal with your anger. You cannot let it fester. You cannot let it burn out of control in the corner of your heart because it will spread. You got to find a way to let it go without letting it out. You got to find a way to deal with it. And usually that it means that if that anger is coming from someone else, you've got to go and talk to that person. You've got to overcome your fear of conflict. You've got to overcome that hurt. And sometimes it's going to start not with going to them. It's going to start with prayers. I mean, I, I've, I've heard of people that say, God, I hate that person. Help me not to. And that's the honest place to start sometimes is I don't want to be nice to this person. Help me. Right? Because we're admitting where we are and we're admitting we need to grow. And we also need to think about what it means and how we act to one another, how we treat one another. The more we retaliate and try to get even, are we really making the world a better place? Are we really demonstrating Jesus to others? We've got to learn to demonstrate the better way for a world that is hungry and thirsty for it. We've got to live it. Because if we don't, where will they find it? Jesus says we're supposed to be salt and, and light. We're supposed to be the people that give the world the very medicine and hope and healing that they need. And it starts with within. If you notice yourself getting angry or upset or if you start noticing that you're wanting to retaliate, start thinking about those things. Why? What's going on? And what positive thing can I do to exchange it for this negative wish that I have, this negative anger that I have? What can I do to exchange it? What can I do to make it better? 
take the step to do the even better thing and just see what happens. Would you pray with me? Holy and loving God, we ask that you would help us with the difficult task of being your people in this world. Help us to learn what it means. Help us to have the grace necessary to be and help us take the necessary steps to be your people, to be salt and light in the world. Help us to extinguish anger, to learn to love people who hurt us and help us, oh God, to shine your light to all we meet. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.